Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to those of you who've been to Nashville Life before. If it's your first time, I'm lead pastor. My name is Alvin, and I'm glad you're here. Really glad you're here. We've got some great things happening, as you can see. Create Campus this week, so if you've got kids or no kids, bring them over to the church. We'd love to show them a good time this week. Uh, we've got baptisms in a couple of weeks, so if you want to get water baptized, you saw what to do. We would love to celebrate baptism with you as a church. And then um, another thing that we haven't announced that's coming up is for the month of August, we are launching 21 days of prayer and fasting. Um, yeah. <laughs> fasting. Oh, that was so pitiful. But it's okay because I'm excited for us all. Um, no, it's great. We, we did it at the beginning of the year. We're going to do it in August. It's going to be a little bit different, the fasting portion. It won't be a Daniel fast, but it'll just be uh, kind of some focus fasting um, on a day or so. So we'll give more details. But uh, we are opening up the church all those 21 days for early morning prayer. So before work, if you want to come through and have some corporate prayer time with us, we're just going to open up the space and just trust that we all can get closer to God together, get united in the spirit. I'm going to talk more about that coming up. But uh, I'm glad you're here. I want to get into the message because uh, we don't have a whole lot of time. So let's get into it. The, the words I would like for you all to repeat after me is uh, say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. So the theme for the year is withstanding the wind. Nashville Life, we, uh, we don't always do it, but we've recently made a habit of kind of having a theme for each year. and We sort of stay in that vein all year long based off what we believe the Lord is calling our church to grow in or learn about. And withstanding the wind is inspired by a passage in Matthew 3, verse 12. And it's John the Baptist talking about Jesus. And this is what he says in this passage. He says, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And this is a metaphor that John is using. He's comparing, comparing Jesus to a harvester of wheat. And when you are harvesting wheat, you uh, apparently there's a, a winnowing process where you generate winds and you allow that wind to blow away chaff, leaving only the grain, the part that we eat. And if we look in the New Testament, honestly, throughout the scripture, but especially as the church, in the New Testament, because that's usually the word for, for us as the believers of Jesus, um, there's so much talk of trials and tribulations that are on this walk with Jesus. Though he's our savior and though he's our hope and though he's our joy, um, he's very open about the fact that his path is filled with uh, trials and tribulations, temptations, things that really want to rock us and sway us and even weed us out of his harvest. And it's a very important that we grow endurance. You'd be amazed if you just think about it and look at the New Testament and see how much the word endurance and perseverance are in the New Testament. It's, it's, it's wild how, how 
prevalent this theme of is of in the New Testament of sticking with it no matter how tough it gets. And you saw some of the, even the songs that we did today talking about rain came and wind blew, but, but I'm stuck here, I'm standing here, I'm stable here because I'm built on you. So this whole year is Nashville Life uh, allowing the Word of God to train us to withstand these inevitable trials that come on this walk with Jesus. Um, the winds that we're talking about, we're covering a different wind each month. That's sort of been the idea. And for the month of July, the wind that we're talking about is the wind of futility. We are learning how the Word teaches us to withstand the wind of futility. Now, futility comes from the word futile, and futile is defined in Webster as serving no useful purpose, completely ineffective. And the reason why that's relevant to us as human beings is because Romans 8 verse 20 says that for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So we have the story of creation that many of us have heard about the Lord creating the heavens and the earth and the fish and the trees and last mankind. And he created all these things to be fruitful and to multiply. And he created everything to have purpose and to have, have meaning and have use, a very specific and even godly use. But according to Romans 8, when, when Adam disobeyed God, the, all of the things that God created to be fruitful and all the things that God created to multiply, um, they were all subjected to this word futility. And the things that were called to be purposeful became without purpose. And the things that were called to be fruitful became without fruit. And this is the, the sad dilemma that the world was in. In the world, well, the world was in until the good news came. The good news of the gospel is that even though the world was subjected to futility, Jesus came, he sacrificed his life, he shed his blood, and his sacrifice broke the curse of futility over our lives. The curse of futility was broken, giving all of us a chance to be fruitful and multiply again the way that God originally intended for us to live and to be. Our ability to be fruitful as human beings is restored through Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 2, and then I'm going to kind of, I'm going to be pulling pretty much all from John 15 today. I'm going to read a verse and we're going to talk about it and I'll keep reading and you get it. Uh, verse 1 through 2 says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So Jesus is describing himself in John 15 as this, this vine. And he says from his vine there are branches. And there's some branches that don't produce fruit. And there's some branches that do. And the ones that do get pruned to produce more fruit, and the ones that don't are taken away. This passage has taught me something that I want to share with you today. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, when you become a Christian, 
You go from being futile to fruitful. You go from being someone who was not able to produce fruit to someone who can produce fruit and more fruit and more fruit and more fruit, and it's endless, and it's really amazing. A fruitful vine, however, does not guarantee a fruitful branch. A fruitful vine does not guarantee a fruitful branch. Otherwise, Jesus would never refer to a branch that comes from him that doesn't produce fruit. Clearly, it's not a guarantee, and I want us to look into that. According to Jesus, every branch that is in Jesus that doesn't produce fruit is is taken away. Now, this can trouble some believers when you listen to it. I've had talks over the years after whenever John 15 comes up, and we just read it. You can't even read this without making people a bit uncomfortable because not everybody can easily reconcile uh, or not even able to or willing to reconcile Jesus that saved them and that washed them and that cleansed them. And then this whole idea that, that, that he cuts people off and cuts branches off and cuts people away. And it can be very troublesome when you think about, well, that's just, you hear the oftentimes the phrase, that doesn't sound like my Jesus. You know, that doesn't sound like the Jesus that, that I know. And my word to you is, you, you might be right. I actually think if that doesn't compute well, then maybe there's a reason. And I thought about it, and I'm like, maybe, maybe we're right about this. Maybe the people that have a disconnect with that truth um, or that, that statement, maybe there's a reason. I'm going to reread John 15, 1 through 2, and see if we see something that maybe we didn't see the first time we read it. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. The reason why some of us can't imagine Jesus cutting off any branches is because he's not the one doing it. Jesus says it is his Father that is the vine dresser. It is his father that examines the branches on his vine. It's his father that takes branches away, and it's his father that prunes the branches on his vine. God the Father is the vine dresser, and it is he who examines the branches of Jesus, his son. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, we'll put them in there too, they're one. They are perfectly one, but they serve different functions. Whenever you see a multifaceted, unified anything, whether it's an organization, whether it's a couple, whether it's a a body, uh, though it's all one, there's different functions in each part, like our body. Our body is one, like I have one body, but there's different functions within my body, even though it's all under the umbrella of my body. That's how it works with God. God is one, but there's different functions within him. There's the Son. There's the Holy Spirit, and there's the Father. And according to Jesus, the Father's job is to be the vine dresser to the Son. I was thinking about, you know, when you, um, you know, when, you, when you're in a relationship, particularly if you get married, it's almost like you have automatically that, that uh, suntan lotion back person now, that someone can reach that spot that, that you can't reach. Or, 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 or women now, all of a sudden, they have an automatic dress zipper 
for the back when they can't do it themselves. It's, it's the beauty of, you know, it's, it's we, we play different roles to support each other. I'm even thinking about growing up when I was, uh, after I would get a haircut, you know, there's loose hair often when you get a haircut. You have to get a shower before there's, because there's loose hair when you have a haircut. And growing up, you know, I would have loose hair after haircut, and I'd be driving back with my dad, and, you know, my dad would be the one to see loose hair on my shirt, and he would dust it off, and you still got loose hair on you, and he'd, just, he'd be that person for me. And that's the image that came to mind when I thought about the father. The father with the son. Jesus is the vine. He has all these branches, and the father's the one that's going, hey, okay, you, you, got, oh, you got a dead branch there. You got some dust right there. You got that. And it cool cause it, it's great because it frees Jesus up to just be, I'm the supporter. I'm the one saying you can do it. The Bible says that Jesus is the one interceding to the Father for us. He's the one going, give them more time. I know they said they would. Come on. Like Jesus is the one. He, he is free to only be supporter. You can do it. I believe it can happen. It's the Father that's the one going, uh, no. I see he's not... I know he said that, but no, nah, that's just going to, okay. So that's how this works. That's the relationship that we see Jesus painting where he's divine and he's divine. He's got, he's the, he's the spectacle and the father's the one going, yeah. and you know what? You think this one has reached its potential, but let me prune it, watch, boom, even more fruit, even bigger berries, even more. It's like, oh man, I thought that was fruitful, but man, the, so the father's the one have you ever, anyone had like a, what do you call the bonsai trees? Like he's the one just kind of, you know, cutting and shaping and molding. This is his role, and this is how it works. John 15, 3 through 4. Uh, New King James Version, verse 3. He says, you are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, this uncovered a way that I used to think sometimes. I'm going to share it in case there's anybody here that might have thought the same thing. I, you know, received Jesus, and I heard that, you know, you are a new creation. The oldest passed away. You're a new person. You can be fruitful and multiply, and that's all true. But I, at one point, kind of thought that once you become a Christian, you become a vine yourself. Like, now I'm a vine because Jesus is a vine. And Jesus produced fruit, and now I can produce fruit because he's a vine and I'm a vine too. That's not what the word says. There is a difference in being a vine and a branch of the vine. Let me put it this way. When we become Christians, we don't become Jesus. We become followers of Jesus. When you are born again, you do not become a vine in and of yourself. You become a branch of his vine. On your best day, on your most anointed, miraculous day as a Christian, at best you are still but a vine to, I mean a branch, sorry. You're but a branch to the vine. And the reason why it's so important to make this distinction, because as long as I was thinking that I was a vine, I thought I had my own root system in God. I thought I could produce fruit in and of myself because that's what a vine does. 
But as good as this can sound, there begins to grow a level of independence that you can think that since I'm a Christian, I can just get out and walk and live my life and fruit's going to automatically come because that's what I am. I'm a vine. But Jesus is making it very clear. He's bringing a clarification that you are not a vine. You are a branch of a vine. Therefore, the fruit that you produce is 100% dependent on the fruit of the vine. The level of fruit that you produce is completely 100%, even 102% dependent on the vine. It's a subtle difference, but it's a big difference. Because if I'm a vine, I feel like I am automatically and independently able to produce something in and of myself. And that's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches that I'm a, I'm a branch of the vine, and therefore my fruit is dependent on the vine and not me. Now, for all of us who, who want to be fruitful branches, which I'm guessing that's what everybody wants to do because you're here, the counsel to be fruitful and to avoid being uh, futile is simple, and it's the key word abide. Abide basically means to stay. If you had a list of people who've had an encounter with Jesus, the list would be a lot longer than the list of people who abide in him. An encounter with Jesus is great. Experiencing him is great, but it's not what the Bible says produces fruit in your life. It's not until you can say that you abide in the vine that you will see fruit produced in your life. Jesus is letting us know how to stay fruitful and how to even become fruitful. He's saying, Jesus is saying to us, don't just start with me. Stay with me. Don't just have a season with me. Be with me forever. That's what he's inviting us to. It's like expecting a fruitful marriage and you're only married seven out of the 12 months of the year. Seven months we're married and the other, what, five we see other people. And if someone had that kind of arrangement and they were expecting to have godly fruit in their marriage, you'd be like, oh, man, that's not how you're going to produce the fruit of the Lord. It's, it's got to be consistent. It's got to be forever. It can't be seasonal. It can't be Jesus wants you to abide on him on, on, that, on Wednesdays. He wants to, you to abide in him on, on, on Thursday nights and on Saturday nights. He wants you to abide in him on vacation, believe it or not. Even on vacation, yes, on that beach. He still wants you to abide in him. You, there's no, God, you know, this is, this, is, this is family time. You know, we're not with you. He's like, how are you going to produce fruit in your family if you disconnect from the vine? It's got to be all in with Jesus. All in. Praise God. It's the abiding that produces the fruit. I think we've been giving ourselves too much credit for visiting 
and occasionally associating. I know it's more than what you're used to do, but guys, until we're abiding, we have not obeyed what the Lord says is, is required of us. And I'm not trying to make you, I mean, yes, I'm happy that you, 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 you read your Bible more than you did. And I believe the Lord is, but I believe the Lord is also saying, until you can actually say this is a, an abode, his word is an abode for you, his word is a home for you, then according to scriptures, you probably aren't fruitful. John 15, 5 through 6. I'm going to keep going. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. In case you didn't pick that up from being cut into fire. I love the clarity. You'll be put in the fire. And you'll burn. It's like, I guess I thought that's how it worked. But I guess, you know, when I think about it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fire. They didn't burn. So he goes, this is not going to be a, the, the fire that we want. This is not going to be the fire. This is going to be a fire that, that destroys you. I love this because when you get to know and read the word of Jesus, you kind of notice his punctuations. And whenever Jesus repeats himself, that's like an explanation point. Whenever, I mean, who wants us to take heed of all of his words? All of his words are important. Nothing is a throwaway. No word from Jesus is a throwaway. But when he repeats himself, that's almost his way of saying, y'all really need to hear it in case somebody missed this. So he goes on and repeats himself what, exactly what he just said in verse 4. I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will get much fruit. You will produce much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. And then he says, he says, takes away. <laughs> First time, the second time, let me clarify. Not only you're taken away, but you will wither and you're you're tossed in fire and you'll and and you'll burn. Again, Jesus says, "My Father does this. My Father is the one that's you know I'm here, I'm here for you. I'm producing it, but but my Father. It's almost like it's almost like um, Jesus is." I don't know the word for him, but, but I feel like the word I'm getting is almost like quality control. It's almost like the father's job is like quality control, making sure that everything that's stemming from the Lord brings glory to him, which we're going to find out in verse 8. Uh, let's go John 15, 7 and 8. I got ahead of myself. Let's read 7 and 8. If you abide in me. And my words abide in you. Remember that because we're going to come back to that. If my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, sometimes a lot of us are uncomfortable with this as well. I've found that people are uncomfortable about the cutting away and throwing away the branches. And I've also found that people are... <laughs> So I feel like we're uncomfortable in some ways about hearing what happens if we don't produce fruit. But I've found that Christians are even uncomfortable of hearing what happens when you do produce fruit. Hearing that you will be able to ask what you desire and it will be done for you can really turn some people off when they hear that. And it's almost just like that just seems too, that just sounds like too much freedom. 
That just sounds almost too good to be true. I don't know if I can really get behind the fact that God wants to bless me as lavishly as he's saying that he wants to bless me. It's almost like going and asking God for a bus ticket and he gives you a bus. It's like, that's what's a lot more than what I had in mind. You know, I just wanted a nice ride to work and you're giving me a bus. Okay, like the Lord does exceedingly and abundantly above what we ask for and what we think. And a lot of us are not okay with that. And, and I think we have to, I'm going to try to help you understand it so that you don't resist his hand and his blessings as much as you might tend to want to do. Because a lot of us can self-sabotage. And a lot of us, I mean, some of us are so rooted in this thing to where when things are going well, we get nervous and think something bad is about to happen. I'm too blessed. And we got we got to, we got to, deal with that because that's rooted in something that's going to that's gonna hurt you and it's going to hurt other people. Verse 8 says, it's by this that the Father is glorified when you produce much fruit. Almost using that bus analogy again. <laughs> yes, the bus is more than what you asked for with the bus ticket, but not only does the bus allow you to get to where you want to go, but now you can take others with you. There's a reason why God gives you more than you think you need. Because half of it is not even for only you anyway. And it glorifies him. And we have to understand, again, we are not our own vines, guys. We are a branch of something that was going on way before us and will go on way after us. We don't have the right to call the shots when it comes to a system that the Lord has designed. The Lord has designed this. We are coming into his thing. <laughs> a lot of Christians still think that he's coming into our thing. But I'm telling you, the more you realize that you have been birthed into his thing, it will completely change your expectations. Your, your approach will completely change to life. And you will find yourself being a child again instead of a, a boss. Like, like the Lord wants to make you a child of, of, his, of his will, of his kingdom. So when you, when you find yourself stepping into this level of fruitfulness that is so beyond anything you would have thought that you would have, could have had or deserve, just know that verse 8 says this is what glorifies the Father. I don't know a single father that isn't glorified when they see their children excel. Let's say it's academically. They come home with a good grade or even a higher grade than what they had last semester. It reflects well on you, sometimes even if you didn't necessarily do anything. It's still because you're the dad. You're the dad. You're the father. So in situations where you might have a kid that's way smarter than you, but because they're doing well, it makes you look good simply because you're the father. It glorifies a father when he sees his kids excel socially, when he sees them excel athletically financially, when he sees them excel ethically, when you see your children shine, it, it reflects back and it really is honoring for you. God is similar. When he sees his children shine and when he sees his children stand out and produce outer-worldly fruit that is beyond what anyone could have done on their own, it, it, it reflects well on him. Guys, people are advertisements, just in case you don't know. We're advertisements for things that we want to do and things that we don't want to do. It's like, based off a person, you can be like, oh, yeah, I definitely don't want to go to that 
hair salon, you know, <laughs> or, or man, I really want to go to that because, man, they look so good, or that trainer is awesome. Who, when, when it's, when you, based off of your life and what you present, it brings glory and attention to where you got it. Man, those shoes are great. Where'd you get those? Oh, man, that so-and-so's awesome. Where'd you, oh, you know, I just went over to so-and-so. I'm going to go because I want to produce that same fruit. I want to give off that same effect. I want to, whatever, you fill in the blank. That's how it works with God. It's his will that his children are fruitful because it brings glory to him, and it causes people to ask questions. When they taste your figurative fruit, and they're like, oh, my God, how is this apple this sweet? My apples taste like water. What's going on? Well, you know, I've been, I, I changed. I got connected to this, the vine. The vine, where is that? Where is that located? Oh, it's Jesus, you know. And it's like, man, like, if you're telling me that my fruit from my life can look like that, do you know how many times I've seen uh, people with, like, happy marriages lead people to Jesus? It's like, whoa, like, I've never seen marriage like that. How do you do it? Well, you know, we're actually, you know, attached to the vine. Oh, wow. Man. Or you fill in the blank. That's the idea. The idea is that our lives produce fruit that glorify the Father. John 15, 9 through 10. We're going to keep going through John 15. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. There goes that word again. Abide. Stay in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. In case anybody was wondering, we're hearing like, okay, abiding in love. Okay, I'm coming to church. I mean, I, I feed the poor. Like, I'm doing things. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, how do you abide in God's love? Answer, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I love Jesus in this moment because he's showing everything I'm asking you guys to do with me, I've done with the Father. The reason why me and the, Jesus is saying, the reason why me and the Father are perfectly one is because I obeyed all of his commands. All of his commands I have obeyed, and I've still got some more to obey because this was pre-cross. He hadn't been crucified yet. So he knew the big one, the big command that he gave me is in a few weeks. And, but I'm going to follow through in this. I'm going to obey him fully. And because Jesus obeyed the Father fully, they were able to be totally united in love. And Jesus is going just like I've done that to the Father. That's how it's going to work with you guys and me. If you guys obey my commandments, it will keep us perfectly united in love, just like my obedience to my Father has kept us totally united in love. So you see that he's extending the same principle and the same theme that he's experiencing with the Father, and he's inviting us to it. And the key word is the obedience to God's commandments. Now, I do need to bring something up. Because I think many of us have, 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 have abused and misused, whether knowingly or not knowingly, the true statement that even if I don't obey a single command for God, he loves me. And that is true. That is true. You cannot obey a single command and the love of God will still be for you. But there's a difference in being loved by someone 
and being in their love. There's a difference in a waterfall existing and you being under that waterfall. There's a difference in knowing that a pool of water exists and being in that pool. There is a difference in God having love for you and you being in it. The way that you are in a waterfall is not by looking at it. It's by walking or hiking or swimming to where that waterfall is and having it fall on you. The way that you get into a pool is by jumping in it or walking in it, somehow getting in it. (laughs) The way that you are in the love of God, according to Jesus' words, is by keeping his commands. We have been misusing the true knowledge that we don't have to do anything for God to love us because that's true. But if you get the same life for not obeying God as you do for obeying God, then why are we here? (laughs) Why does my job even exist? Why is there church? Why is there reading? Why is there any effort that we're putting in this to it? Guys, I can know that a pool is there, but if I'm not in it, my clothes are still dry. We can know that God's love is there, but the obedience to his commandments is what takes God's love from being this this distant, theoretical, mythological concept to something that is on us and with us. It's our home. it's 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 our helmet. It's our jacket. It's our shoes. We're consumed by God's love. That is the standard that God is asking us to. Obeying God is how you live in his love. Obeying his commandments is how you live in his love. There's a lot of people out there that are cursing God at this very moment. Can't stand him. Don't even believe he exists. And God's love is so, so real for them. But is that person in that moment experiencing and living in that reality? No. There's, there's so many estranged families. There's, there's parents that love a kid right now or kids that love a parent right now. But because of the distance, that parent is not experiencing the love of that child. Even though, love, I, I, man, I love my dad. I wish I could find him. I wish he'd come back. I love him so much. And he's out there completely not experiencing or benefiting from the love of their kid. Vice versa, there's parents out there, oh, we just wish our son would, would come home. We miss him so much. We love him so much. And that person, for whatever reason, has vowed to never talk to them. Or That's, that's a separation, even though the love is there. And there's, there's too much of that going on, even in the church. And we're not experiencing the love of God the way that we could because we're misusing the fact that, well, he loves me regardless. And that's true. I can't stress to you enough how true it is that he loves you no matter what you do. But this is not about, the word doesn't say God will love you if he keeps, if you keep your, his commands. The word is you will abide in his love if you keep his commands. Again, again guys, we're shooting for the abode. We're shooting for 
his home, our home being his love, not just something that we've heard before is there. Guys, futility is where we all come from. We all come from a futile life. But when we choose Jesus, he births us into a life where the futility is gone and we are fruitful and we can multiply. He makes us these branches that shoot out from the vine. And once we are, this is the branch, the arm, my body is the vine. He shoots us out as branches. And once we are a branch, we have all the fruit that the vine shoots out until the branch, as long as the branch is staying connected to the vine, all of the fruit from the vine, all of the information, all of the nutrients, all of the wisdom, all the power can get into that branch. And once that branch is, is full enough of the fruit of the vine, then you will see it start to come out of that branch. John 15, 11 through 12. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Can everyone say the word full? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Guys, the standard that the Bible gives us for fruitfulness is to be full of him. We're not talking about a quarter tank. We're not talking about a half tank. We're not even talking about 75% full. And the reason why I can't let up on this full word is the Bible shows us that we're not, until we're full, we can't overflow. Remember where David says, my cup runneth over? That's what God is inviting us to, to overflow. It's not until it overflows that it actually, I believe the overflow is the fruit, basically. You know, let's say my arm has like, I'll just use something that we can connect to, like toxins in it. And it's like overwhelmed. Like we all have toxins in our body. But, you know, if we don't hydrate, if we're not healthy, it can just build up. And it gets so full to where it starts coming out of our pores. And, like, you can see it, you can smell it, you can feel it. And the beauty of, of fruit is what it's saying is the reason why you have to be full of me, this is the branch, this is a person. The reason why you have to be full of God's fruit and full of God's love is because it's not until you're full that it will start to protrude and come out of your life. So when someone is producing the fruit of joy, they're already full of it. When someone is producing the, full, the fruit of peace, they're already full of it. You can't produce what you're not already full of, which is why we can't settle for anything less than the fullness of joy. Because until you're full of joy, you will not produce fruit of joy. If Until you are full of kindness, you cannot produce fruit of kindness. The fruit is the overflow of your life. I think many of us are underestimating just how close to God that we are required to be to produce, to produce fruit. We have to be so connected to him in our time of prayer, in our time of scripture reading, in our fellowship and discussion time with each other. We have to ask the Lord how. 
how can we get even closer than we are right now to him? And the answer is the word. I want to go back to, oh, yeah, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. I've got to talk about the word of God. I'm just going to say, you can't know Jesus without knowing the word. And this is what I mean by this. The word of God The words of Jesus is what gives him the definition of who he is. It's what distinguishes him from any other person. It's what makes him him. It's what keeps us accurate to who Jesus is because we haven't seen him. So the word of God is what keeps us accurate to who Jesus is. Without the word of God, Jesus can so easily become a myth or a fantasy or something that you've kind of built in your own imaginations. And we find ourselves becoming dependent on on feelings and on goosebumps and on basically things that the enemy can easily imitate. If he knows that all you need is a goosebump, you 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 don't think Satan can produce goosebumps for us? If all you need is a sweet feeling, Satan knows how to disguise that. Guys, it's the word of God that will keep you from being deceived over some. Guys, the Bible says that he dis... Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He knows how to look good. He knows how to look real good. So the word of God is what keeps us accurate, and it's by knowing the words of Jesus. That's why he went ahead and said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if my words stay in you, you will live in me. Anyone who has the word of God living inside of them and actively happening inside their lives, any person who's doing that, they are abiding in Christ. You can't just, yeah, you can't separate Jesus from his word. Because otherwise, he'll start getting into just like tooth fairy status and Santa Claus status, where it's just like, you know, it's just there's no anchor. There's no, there's no definition. There's no personality. There's no person. Just the shell. And this is the beautiful thing. Verse 12, I'll end with this. This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, remember Jesus says that he obeyed all the Father's commands, and now he wants us to obey his. This is the cool thing about, one of the cool things about Jesus. There's a lot of cool things about Jesus. This is one of the cool things about him. The Father had a lot of commands, a lot of commands, and Jesus fulfilled all of them. And I think Jesus... You know, seeing who we are as people, he loves us, but he's like, man, there's no way. And I think, you know, Israel proved there's just no way that any person can obey all of the commands of the law and all the things that God gave to people. 
So what Jesus did was, I'm going to take all of the commands. I'm going to take all of the rules. I'm going to take all of the instructions, and I'm going to condense all of them and group them into two things, two commands. And he says, love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And we hear that, and we're like, oh, man, he made it so easy. And all I do is love God. And I love him. I like him a lot. I'm very fond of God. But I think we underestimate the full command, and that is to love him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength. And the reason why it's so important that I emphasize all is because I believe Many of us think that since we're fond of God and since we have positive thoughts towards him, then we're good. We can check that box. We've, we, we, we like him. We love him. We, we, even, we even give to him. But, guys, until we really ask the Holy Spirit to show us how and how we can love him with all of our heart, all of our mind, and what does, that, what does that look like? That's where you ask the Holy Spirit. That's his job. He's the helper. Father's vine dresser. He's divine. Holy Spirit's helping, and he's helping us. He's helping the branches. He's going, okay, branch, you, th- you think you're connected to the vine, but there's this, there's this weird thing that's blocking one of those uh, flows that's coming from the vine to you, and we gotta, we gotta address that. We gotta talk about that because, okay, now move that. Move. Oh my gosh, you feel the difference? Yeah, see it. That's because you see, you had this thing blocking that. And then the Holy Spirit. That's the one. He, that's what He's doing for all of us. He's showing us the areas of our lives where the branch is missing nutrients from the vine. And if you ask the Holy Spirit, show me where He'll show you. See, you've been, you've been throwing that almost like a coach. You've been throwing that way, and you know it hurts. Try going this way. Put your weight on this foot. Oh, oh my gosh, that's so much different. Yeah, see, yeah. That's the Holy Spirit. If you go, Lord, I want to love the Lord with all my heart and my Holy Spirit, help me. He'll go, okay, well, you know, you still haven't apologized to that person. And until you apologize, that's a whole huge artery that's being, that's being blocked. And that, that clog, you got a clogged artery and once you do that, you'll see that flow come back in. Or, oh, yeah, you still haven't forgiven your dad yet, you know. And I know you've been putting it off, but there's a reason why there's a, there's a level of flow from the vine that, that's not getting to your branch because there's a blockage there because you, you still refuse to for, forgive your, your dad for that thing. That, and then they do it, and all of a sudden, shoo, that, that blockage is out, and you're seeing the, the nutrients of the vine get into this branch, and then you start to get full, and then that fullness will overflow to where it starts sprouting out fruit from your branch. This is how it works. See how involved this is? We can't just assume that just because we're saved, we're just automatically fruitful. I can just go out here. Because you know what that's attached to, and I'll end with this. It's attached to uh, humanism 
And I know that seems like a random thing, but I, I, I got to bring this up because this humanism will fight what I'm trying to share with you guys today. Um, humanism says, because God created me, and because I'm a creation of God, therefore I am great. And that's why it's so effective, because humanism is like not all false. Were we created by God? Yes. Were we created fearfully and wonderfully made by God? Yes. Were we created to be fruitful and multiply? Yes. All that's in the Bible, but we can't regard that everything that God created according to Romans 8 became futile. So yes, you were created by God, but because of sin, the word says you became futile. So all that promise and all that potential is now dormant. And the only way to escape the futility uh, futility, sorry, the only way to escape that is to get connected to the vine of Jesus. So yes, I'm created by God, but also all creation was subjected to futility. So I have to be born again and recreated in the vine of Christ so I can redeem and reclaim the fruit that I was called to produce. That's the full gospel. Humanism... Humanism, and, and if there's a such thing, I'll call it Christian humanism, which is it's not a thing, but just for the sake of the argument, that's what's happened. And even in some of our thoughts and our logic, since God made me, therefore, boom. And we, we negate the vine, we escape, we bypass Jesus, and we start walking out in confidence simply because we're God's creation. But the Bible says that all of creation was cursed. And the only way to break that curse is through the blood and the life of Jesus. So I want us to pray. I want us to pray because I believe that all of us are being called to fruitfulness beyond what we could even imagine or think. I can sincerely and confidently say that the God's plan for your life exceeds your wildest, most ambitious dream you've ever had. And the reason why I know that is because the Bible says it. It says he does exceedingly and above all we could ever ask or think. But that news is just where it starts. We have to make a choice to abide in the love of God. And the first way you do that is by loving him with all your heart and soul, all your strength. And the first step to doing that is receiving Jesus. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to close in a second. Because I really want God to, to make you fruitful. I really want the Lord to make you prosper in him. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this word. I thank you, God, that you explained how fruitfulness works so clearly in John 15. Jesus, I thank you for explaining it in a way that all of us can understand. That, yes, without you, we can't produce fruit. And therefore, we'll have a, have a very sad ending. But with you and through you, we can not only produce fruit, but we can be very, very, very fruitful. And Lord, you know 
you're letting us know that when we are fruitful, it will glorify your Father in heaven. Father, we want to glorify you. In these last days, we want to produce fruit that glorifies you, that brings glory to your name, that brings glory to your son, Jesus, that brings glory to the gospel so that through the fruit of our lives, more people can taste and see that you are good and come into the knowledge of Jesus and become branches themselves. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that every heart here would be receptive to the Holy Spirit. God, and I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would continue to help us and show us and where all the little disconnects are between our branch and the vine of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you individually speak to each person in this room and reveal to them any areas of their lives that are blocking the connection between the vine and them. Lord God, I thank you that you love us, but I also thank you that you're inviting us to make your love our home. Lord, we want your love to be our home. We want to abide in your love. We no longer want to feel distant or outside of it, Lord. We want to be in it so deeply. So help us to teach, to, 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 to obey your commands. Help us to love you. Help us to obey you. And Lord, I just thank you in advance of all that it's going to yield in our lives. I believe in it, and I speak this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask us all to stand so we can end. Uh, the way that Jesus becomes Lord of your life, the vine to your branch, is by a belief in your heart and a confession in your, with your mouth. You got to believe it in your heart and you got to allow yourself to say it. And something about that combination activates the beginning of a beautiful friendship, a beautiful relationship between you and Jesus. So I want to ask all of us to repeat these words together as we receive him as the true vine, as the Lord, as the source of all the fruit that we've been called to produce. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, amen.
If you are grateful to be a branch to the vine of Christ, make some noise of thanksgiving, gratitude, something. Say thanks, clap your hands, hallelujah. Thank you, God. If you made the choice to reconnect to God or connect to God for the first time through Jesus Christ, congratulations. We just want to welcome you to let us know. You can have a, we have a prayer team that's going to be up front. They'll be here to pray for you on your way out. Please receive prayer if you want it, if you need it. We also have a texting system to where you can text the word belong. And you can, there's an option that shows that you said yes to Jesus. If you click that option, we'll just give you some, some resources, some scriptures that you can receive virtually on your phone to help encourage you on your walk with the Lord. Um, if you want to come to Next Steps, we're about to start right after I dismiss. Uh, it's on the third floor, one floor up. Uh, I'm leading it this week. So if you want to learn more about the church, hear about our vision, we, I would love to meet you in person. And then if you would like to give, if you would like to give tithes or offerings, thank you in advance. You can give online or our finance team in the back. I'm going to pray before, after I pray, I'm going to ask for everyone to stick around because I want to share something very brief for you. Um, but thanks to everyone for being here. Thanks, for, thanks to everybody who's watching online. Um, and let's pray. Father, I thank you again for the word. I pray, God, for the word to take root in our hearts so it can uh, affect the way that we process, Lord, the way that we think, the way that we make decisions. God, and I pray, Lord, that you would be more glorified because of this message. God, and I pray, Lord, that everybody here will be blessed. In Jesus' name.